have to tell you about Sister Frances. Sister Frances and Greg grew up. He said that to you already. Mother Avery is Frances' mother, who Greg always talks about as his Sunday school teacher. You know, when he gets up and quotes those scriptures that Mother Avery made him say or taught him to say, that's Frances' mother. <laughs> so isn't that amazing? Your mother taught Greg the word, and now he's saying the word and telling his kids the scriptures. So the seed just keeps on going. So what you tell a child and what you teach a child, how important is a child? Child save is a soul save plus a life. You save a child's life, a child saves others' lives, and it just keeps on going. Praise God for that. So Mother Avery's been a blessing. Now, I didn't get to meet Francis until Greg and I started dating. Then I got to meet Francis. But I heard about Francis. And then when I met Francis, I was like, she is exactly what he said. Because, you know, sometimes they don't tell you the whole truth. They just kind of tell you something. And you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see that person, see really if that person's like that. She's exactly like he said. She has a heart after God. She loves God. First thing I said, oh, she is so sweet. Because <laughs> he always says, she's so sweet. Now, you know, and you think, are they really sweet? She is really sweet. And, you know, she came to our encounter, and the women was like, we love Sister Frances. We just love Sister Frances. And they do. We do. We love Sister Frances. She is like one of the sisters. She is definitely our sisters. So we definitely love Sister Frances. So thank you so much for you're, you're part of the family. That's just the bottom line. So you can't get rid of us if you tried. So we hope you don't try. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you today about our, uh, what, what we're going to be talking about. And I want you to really pay attention because, I, you know, I've been praying and asking the Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to talk about? Because I don't really, I, I, I don't want to get up here unless the Lord Holy Spirit gives me something to say. Because um, I don't want to waste your time. Your time is very valuable. And my time, you know, I, I, I could think of something to do too. Just trying to be honest. But <laughs> And I kept just, asking the Holy Spirit, talking to the pastor, and, and finally he, he gave me what I was supposed to say. So um, I believe without a doubt um, this word is for us today. Definitely it has, um, I believe it's for us today. So if you really, really listen and you really ask the Holy Spirit, to open your hearts and open your mind, I believe today you will walk out change. But you gotta, you've got to put some effort in this. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work this out today. It's not going to come easy. It's going to be a fight. And the fight's going to come within yourself. But if you listen and you apply it, you'll have some victory today because it's already been done in the spirit realm. We just got to walk it out in the natural realm. I hope you can understand what I'm saying. Okay, so today we are going to explore the story in the Old Testament that speaks about Samuel, in whom had a broken heart. Samuel had a broken heart because the Lord rejected his king in whom he was loyal to. I've asked pastor to read for me, and he has graciously said yes. <laughs> now he's going to mess me up. But... <laughs> Um, so the title of our, um, the, I've named this, this, the message, Restoration for a Broken Heart. Restoration for a Broken Heart. So if you have your Bibles, 
We're at 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I'll be reading out the Amplified Version, so mine will sound a little different than yours if you're not reading out of the Amplified Classic. Give you just a minute to get there. Pages are turning. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your home with oil, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. And Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, have you come peaceably? <laughs> he said, peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to me. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And when they had come, he looked at Eliab, the oldest son, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his appearance or at his height of his stature, for I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. But Samuel said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen him. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then he said to Jesse, are all your sons here, Jesse? Jesse said, there is yet the youngest. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send for him, for we will not sit down to eat until he is here. Jesse sent and brought him. David had a healthy reddish complexion, his eyes beautiful, and he was fine looking. And the Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. This is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Thank you. So Samuel's loyalty to Saul caused him to mourn. I looked up the word mourn. Mourn means sorrow, grief, and sometimes death. God's rejection of Saul as king, the Lord having to say, how long will you mourn, get up and go? How long will you remain brokenhearted and therefore paralyzed and ineffective for doing what you've been called to do? When will you decide to get up? The Lord had to ask Samuel, how long are you going to remain paralyzed, ineffective, sorrowful? How long are you going to grieve? What he said was, how long are you going to mourn? Now, you got to understand something. Saul was Samuel's king. 
Saul was the people's king. Remember, the people wanted a king, so the Lord gave them a king. So this king was a king. He had the height, he had the weight, he had the looks, he was a king. You know, us women was looking for a man, we would say he was the man. All right? Now, you know, a woman just don't look for any old man. We got statues and we got, we got, a, we got a list. If you're a woman and you really want a man, you got a list. Okay, you don't want just any old man. Well, they didn't want just any old king. The people wanted a king. So you can only imagine, now, I can't speak for men, so I could just speak for women. A woman, when they want a man, they want the man to be built right. They want him to have a job. Come on now. <laughs> I'm being real. That's why I'm the woman's pastor. You want them to have a job because you want because you like security, but you also bring your own security. Now, don't be, don't be, don't be tripping. You can bring your own security. That's why you need a good education. Okay, let's not go down that road. But the point of the matter is, a woman wants a real man. Well, Israel wanted a king. So basically, Saul was the king. He had the looks. He had to build. I mean, he looked like a king. He was the king. So he was the people's king. They loved him. They really loved him. Samuel loved him. Samuel was loyal to Saul. Loyal to him. The people was loyal to him. But guess what? God rejected him. But God gave Saul to the people because that was their request. How many times do we give somebody something because they requested it? So the Lord did give Saul to the people. He was their king. But then the Lord rejected Saul. Samuel was heartbroken. Heartbroken to the point that he was mourning. So the Lord had to go back and say, okay, Saul, how long are you going to mourn? So for him to have said that, he had to say, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to be paralyzed? How long are you going to grieve? How long are you going to be ineffective? How long will you remain heartbroken and therefore paralyzed and ineffective for doing what you have been called to do? So get that. That's important. Not what you want to do, but what you've been called to do. When will you decide to get up? So as I was studying this with the Holy Spirit, it dawned on me, wait a minute. It's not about what you want to do. It's about what you've been called to do. And it wasn't about when will I tell you to get up. It is when will you decide to get up. So you got a choice. 
You got a choice because you're called to do this. And you have a choice. When will you decide to get up? Are you following me? Samuel does get up and go to check out the sons of Jesse. As Pastor read the story, so you followed it, right? Samuel assumes who will be anointed. So as they check out the sons, Samuel assumes who's going to be anointed. He's, ah, that's the one right there. Jesse had a son that outwardly looked the part, much like Samuel felt, like Saul was the head and shoulders above others from the outward appearance. The Lord instructs Samuel, you're looking on the outside, dangerous thinking. Man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart. Okay, what's wrong with that? So he does decide to get up because he's, he realized he's called. He gets up. He goes to Jesse's house. He looks at the sons. God doesn't choose any of them. But remember, Samuel thought he had one that surely God was going to anoint because in Samuel's eyes, remember, Saul was the king. So he kind of figured, he kind of knew what God was looking for. After all, you know, Saul was his king. So he probably, in his lenses, picked out one of the sons that kind of probably looked like Saul, right? How many times have we done that? We pick out a leader because, well, they kind of look like Gloria. That's kind of what we want, even though I would pick you. Uh, but my point is, how often do we pick somebody because of our lenses, what we think they look like? Well, they're the right color. They're the right, got the right hair. They got the right size. They got whatever. And we think that's what we want. But why didn't God pick them? He didn't choose any of them. And what did he tell Samuel? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? Heart. And he said, that's dangerous thinking. So what should we be looking at? The heart. The Lord instructs Samuel, you're looking on the outside, dangerous thinking. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. Then he says, hey, Samuel says, hey, Jesse, what's up? You got any more children? He says, oh, yeah, I got one out there tending some sheep. So he tells him, okay, well, we're not sitting down eating until you go get them. So they go get him, bring him in. He tells Sam, the Lord tells Samuel, rise, anoint him. Isn't that like God, who we think ain't no good, because, you know, he out there doing some sheep thing business. He ain't even in the house. He's the one. Have you ever watched The Matrix? You watch Neil? He's the one. <laughs> David's the one. So he comes in, and the Lord tells Samuel, arise. He's the one. The least one you think is the one is probably the one. The one that we've probably been looking at this whole time is probably the one. But we overlook them because we're looking at the outward appearance, and we're not paying attention to the heart. Just saying, that could be a possibility. But it's something we should look at. So the Lord chooses David, a man that has the heart after God. God instructs Saul to anoint David to be king. Key point, God is always looking at our hearts. You can't hide your heart from God. We have been taught the last two weeks about protecting our hearts. However, some of our hearts 
may have already been exposed and broken, have already suffered attacks, and the effects have been lasting, affecting you physically as well as spiritually. We've talked the last two weeks about protecting our hearts, but some of us, maybe we didn't get there in time enough to tell you how to protect your heart because they've already been damaged. They've already been hit with attacks. And some of our hearts have been hit so many times and it's been lasting so long to where you almost can't breathe. Sometimes when your heart suffers attacks, it shuts down everything. Well, spiritually, when your heart is broken or wounded, it can shut down everything both naturally and spiritually as well as emotionally. You know, naturally, when you have a heart attack, it's really causing mutiny in your body, and it can shut down everything and kill you. Spiritually, when your heart is wounded and broken, you spiritually is shutting down everything. And if you don't get that thing taken care of, if we don't get it taken care of, we spiritually, naturally, and emotionally can just shut down. The pressure from a broken and unhealthy heart will make you numb stop feeling, you can go into shock, you can fool people for a little while, you can manage the pain, but not for long. It starts showing up. This is how the enemy works on us. He works on our mind and our emotions. He works with our feelings. The problem is, in most cases, is based on feelings. The problem is, in most cases, is based on feelings. When we allow our feelings to have us. See, that's very important. When we don't have control over our feelings, we allow our feelings to have control over us. So when our feelings have us, huh, That's a dangerous state to be in. We have to know he's a liar. His job is to feed us his lies and to get us to believe them. And this is how he does it. He starts asking or saying things to us like, God doesn't care about our, he doesn't care about our or your feelings. God doesn't care about our of your, or your pain. Why is he allowing us or you to suffer so long when he could just stop it? You ever heard those questions? Our response to listening to lies of the enemy. See, when we listen to those things and we let him keep talking to us and we don't stop it and start combating it with, combating it with the word of God, we start feeding it in our spirit. And then we're emotionally and spiritually and naturally hmm, 
start going into shock. We start suffering more attacks on our hearts. Our spiritual body just start getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Naturally, we get tired and tired and tired. And people say, just pray. We don't have the energy to pray. We can't pray no more. All we do is we just cry. We're overwhelmed. We're burdened down. We can't speak the word to war anymore because we're tired. Because we start feeding the lies and the lies become real. And then the next thing you know, your mind is bogged, bogged down and down. And the weight becomes heavier and heavier. Because we start believing the lies of the enemy. Because the pressure hasn't let up yet. The pressure just keeps waiting on you and waiting on you. And wait and wait and wait. And then he says, Les, you can't tell anybody because you're supposed to know how to fight. You're supposed to know how to war the enemy. You a leader. How come you don't know how to battle the enemy? How come you don't know how to do spiritual warfare? How come you're letting the enemy get you? See, these are the lies Satan tells us. Isolation. Then we start getting depressed. Then we start getting more, more bogged down. Our response to listening to the lies of the enemy, we start doubting God. We start leading into unbelief. We're like, okay, God, well, this has lasted more than two days now. I don't, you know, I was counting on an hour, but, you know. Or this has been lasting a year now. However long this has lasted, it's too long for me. I don't want to deal with it anymore. There's no time frame on this battle. We begin to start blaming God. See, we start doubting him because of the pressure. And we weaken now. So we start doubting because we started listening to the lies. We begin to start blaming God. But God, if you had done this. God, if you had stopped this. God, if you had just moved this person. God, if you had just worked this out on my job. God, if you had just sent the finances in. Now, you know you went and charged something. But God, if you just stopped me and took the card. I mean, we find so many reasons to, but it's justified in our minds. We really believe what we're saying. We believe it because we have listened to so many lies of the enemy that it really makes sense. But it doesn't. Sometimes we even stop serving God because we just said, God, you let us down. We trusted you. We trusted you. We was just waiting on this and you just didn't come through. So we start complaining about everything in life. Well, my husband's on my nerve, my wife's on my nerve, my kid's on my nerve, my job's on my nerve, my church is on my nerve. 
Good Lord, everything's on my nerve. Nothing makes you happy. But it's really not those things. It's just, we've just been in a battle. We got scars. And we're weary. But here's the truth that comes along. There's truth in this battle. We just got to be encouraged with the truth. See, there's help. There's help coming. You know how they said the cavalry's coming? But get this. You got the cavalry on your side. You got the word of God on your side. When you feel like you don't have strength, you got to reach back for the word of God, which is the cavalry on your side. Because at the end of the book, you win. So you got to remember, the end of the book, we win. This is just a test for a testimony. You know, Horace Bias, who was a spiritual father, he said a, a test, what he said, a test uh, unlearned is a test repeated. And I used to say, thank God, please let me just learn the test the first time. Because I don't really want to go back through it a second time. So here's the cavalry. Let me give you some examples. But before I give you the example, let me give you the truth. You have to know and act on truth. I don't care what battle you go through. You have to know and act on truth. Jesus does care about your feelings. I don't care what the enemy says. He cares about your feelings. Jesus does care about your pain. Jesus does care about your suffering. Okay, if you hadn't heard me, he cares about your feelings. He cares about your pain, and he cares about your suffering. You say, oh, well, how do you know? Okay, let's go talk to some people in the Bible. When the disciples were violently in the, violently in the storm on the sea, and they thought that they were going to die, they woke up Jesus to calm the sea. Okay, them jokers were scared. That boat was rocking. God heard the disciples cry. They woke him up and said, hey, hey, hey. This ship's going under. You're sleeping. What's up? They didn't say it like that. That's how I said it. I would have said, hey, dog, wake up. What, what's happening? <laughs> You're just sleeping, but we're about to go under. And he said, hey, little fa Matthew 8. God heard the disciples cry. He cared about them. He got up and what? Calmed the sea. Maybe you might want to visit Hannah when she was explaining to Eli that she wasn't drunk, just a woman with a despairing spirit. Eli thought, hey, lady, what's up? You drunk in the church? <laughs> I'm just saying. She not drunk. She wanted a baby. She could have a baby, but what, what happened? God gave her a baby. He heard her. What did he hear? He heard her cry. He cared about her soul that she wanted a child, Jackie. He gave her what? Hello. So he cares about her. God heard Hannah's cry and granted her a son. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Check her out. Old talked to Jonah about crying out loud even in his disobedience from the belly of the whale. Even when we're disobedient, he cared. Even when we're disobedient, he, we don't even listen. He even still care about us. God heard Jonah's cry from the belly of the well. 
Jonah was probably saying, Lord Jesus, I'll do whatever you tell me. Just get me out of this well. Well, you can go back and read the story. That's just me paraphrasing. But hello, if I was in the well, I'd be like, Lord Jesus, I'll do whatever you say. Just get me free. Just get me free. Jonah chapter 2. There's nothing new under the sun. So if he cared then about your suffering, if he cared then about your pain, if he, there, if he cared there about your feelings, why would he not care now? Is he a new God? Did he change? He cares. Here's your, uh, here's your application. How does this apply to me? Since God cares so much about you and I, that the hairs on our head are numbered. Man, Ember, he knows how many hairs on your head? You got a lot of hair, girl. You know what I'm saying? If he knows the hair and they're numbered, he takes the time, he's taking the time to count the hair on your head, he cares about you. How much do you think he cares about the condition of your heart? If your hair is numbered, would you not think he cares about your heart? Key takeaway. Huh. And here's just something else the Holy Spirit gave me. You can't have complete victory in your life if you're living with a broken heart that needs to be healed. I'm going to say that again. You can't have complete victory in your life if you're living with a broken heart that needs to be healed. The process of healing always comes before the promise. Healing is the battle. That's the promise. I mean, excuse me, that's the process. Healing is the battle. That's the process. Once you win the battle, victory is the promise. There is never victory without a fight. The fight is between you and the enemy. The enemy says, don't admit it, keep it. The Lord says, release it to me. The healing is the battle. The process is the victory. Here is the process. One, admit your heart is wounded or broken. You have to admit your heart is, broke, is wounded or broken. You have a choice. It's kind of going back to Samuel. You have to decide. You have to make a choice. Do you stay there and keep your heart wounded and broken, which will keep you paralyzed, which will keep you, keep you ineffective? to where you can't do what you're called to do? I didn't say what you want to do. I said what the Lord has called you to do. Or do you release and surrender so the Lord can start the process? Trust God with your brokenness. 
You have to trust God with your brokenness. Surrender your wound, wounded or broken heart to Jesus. It's a choice. You've had it long enough. Been paralyzed long enough. Ineffective long enough. But you have a choice. There's great things God has for you, man. There, if you could just see the things that God has for you. And some of you have seen it. Some of you have just, you know what your giftings are. You know what God has chosen for you. But there's just some things in your heart that you just can't let go because you're just wounded. And it's just, you, you're just weary. You're tired of fighting. And it just keeps coming back and back and back. And, and you said, I've prayed. I've tried to give it to God. And, but there's a part of you keep taking it back. You just keep taking it back because part of you are comfortable with it. It's a comfortable state. Have you, have you ever had something that, ah, I kind of want to get rid of it, but I'm kind of like it. It's like that warm blanket that's kind of real raggedy. I kind of say it's toe up, and you know you should throw it away so you can really get yourself a nice new plush one that's really soft and lovely but you kind of want that toe up one that you don't wash 50,000 times and it's falling apart. It's something about it. It just smells a certain way. But you know God's got this really nice one that can have a great new smell. But it's just something about that, that worn one that just kind of fit right. And God's saying, let me give you something new. I promise you, I promise you, it's going to be good. But you got to get out your comfort zone. You got you to not tag the old, let it go. Because what's over here, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be good. I need you to get unstuck, unparalyzed, to become effective. Because I need you not to be ineffective anymore. You've got too much to do for the kingdom of God. Surrender your wounded or broken heart to Jesus. You have to have faith that he can and will heal you. You've got to decide to get up. Got to decide to get up. You know the process now. And you know the promise. You know the process. You know the promise.